Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have our week in review. And of course, coin of the day. That's coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, October 1st, 2021, the beginning of Q4, the end of the year. It gets cold. Leaves start to change. Snow starts to fall. And, well, I am not looking forward to that. But what I am looking forward to is tonight's episode of The Foundation. By the way, somebody sent me an email and told me that there's a Foundation official podcast. It's called Foundation, the official podcast. Thank you for sending that to me. Because I've been asking people's opinions and thoughts, and now there's a podcast and they discuss it. You know, there's a, I love podcasts that discuss the shows after the shows because I love to think about what's happening. And they sometimes pull out some really cool ideas or uh, things that you didn't notice. Anyway, Foundation, the official podcast. Uh, let me know if you're looking forward to tonight's show. And after you watch tonight's show, send me an email, matthewarenatdecrypt.co. Tell me what you thought, and I'll talk about it on Monday. Let's get into those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're having a hell of a day. Bitcoin, $47,020, up 9% in 24. Ethereum, $3,204, up 7.6%. Cardano's in the number three spot at $2.20, up 5.5%. Binance Coin, number four, at 410, up 9.4%. And Tether's in the number five spot, running off the top 10. XRP, Solana, USDC, Polkadot, and Dogecoin. Total market cap, we're at $2.05 trillion, a BTC dominance of 43.2%, and an F dominance of 18.4%. And now, it's time for a coin of the day. And our coin today is number 759, D-E-G-A-T-E. Its ticker is just D-G. It's trading at 26.1 cents, up 4.4%. Current market cap is $20.2 million. Fully diluted market cap is $261.9 million. Only 8% of DGATE or DG is in circulation. Total circulating supply is $1 billion. Where can you buy DGATE? You can buy it on Uniswap, DeepCoin, and CoinW. Its 24-hour volume is $55 million. Uh, and most of that's coming from DeepCoin. It says $53 million of 24-hour volume is coming from DeepCoin. Again, I've never heard of DeepCoin. I'm going to open DeepCoin up right now to see what it is. DeepCoin is a centralized exchange based in Singapore. It provides spot, derivatives, wealth management, DeFi investments, and other comprehensive financial services. DeepCoin claims to have obtained licenses in Canada and the U.S. DeepCoin has 4,300 followers on Twitter. Uh, I just looked into their website and um, let's see here. How do you trade DeepCoin? It says, welcome to DeepCoin. And then multi-terminal trading anywhere. I guess it's... I guess for mobile, I have to download an app because I can't see anything on my desktop here. And let's see here. Looking at his trading volume on CoinMarketCap, um, there's some coins up there. This is price volume excluded, outlier detected, 
but it's showing that there is $4 trillion of Shiba Inu, which obviously that's not correct. However, the second biggest cryptocurrency by volume for its spot trading is Smooth Love Potion for $508 million in 24-hour volume. Um, I'm going to have to look into Smooth Love Potion. One of these days it's going to come up on our coin of the day. It looks like it's ranked number 315. But $508 million in 24-hour trading for a Smooth Love Potion? Ah, the crypto space. Ah, the crypto space. Moving into DG. What does DG or DGate do? DGate, make decentralized exchanges mainstream. A fairly launched DAO-centric Ethereum Layer 2 trading protocol. Basically, it's a DEX. It looks as though it's just a quick swapping uh, protocol or swapping DEX like Uniswap or Pancake. It looks exactly the same. So it's a DEX, and that's DG. And now let's move into our week in review, where I welcome on Scott Cipollina, writer from Decrypt. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Uh, good, good. Thanks for coming on. I know you're sick over there. You were t- talking about how you're feverish and everything. Yeah, you, did you get your shots, bro? You need a, you need a booster? Yeah, I've got my vaccine, so I'm, I'm good. It's not COVID. At least I don't think it's COVID, so it's all good. Scott, so well, this is our week in review. As always, on Friday, we have you know somebody from a brilliant person from Decrypt come on and discuss about the week's biggest news. And there's been a couple big stories this week. And the first one is El Salvador. And can you tell me what's going on with El Salvador and their volcano, my friend? Yeah. Um, so El Salvador has basically taken its its first steps to using essentially geothermal energy from the country's volcanoes to mine Bitcoin. Uh, the president, Nayib Bukele, he tweeted um, earlier this week that, that El Salvador is like kicked this this off now and it's begun um he then issued an update to to this new industry in el salvador essentially um and they've claimed that they have mined up to 500 dollars worth of bitcoin obviously that's not a very high number still a very new industry in the country and the government no doubt wants to increase that number over time i think it's a it's a fairly interesting niche of el salvador's uh bitcoin embrace because as we all know that it's been mired in controversy for several reasons. One of the things that we haven't seen a lot of is environmental criticism about El Salvador's Bitcoin mining, because it alleges to use 100% renewable energy. Um, and obviously, geothermal energy from, from volcanoes is renewable. So it's it's an interesting sort of, let's say, bright spot over what has otherwise been a, a really negative and protracted story about embracing Bitcoin as legal tender. No, $500 is definitely not a lot of Bitcoin, but it seems that there is no cost um, when it comes to the energy production. Uh, do you think that this could be a big profitable uh, endeavor for them in the future? Well, I don't I don't know if we should take the president at his word that it, that there is no cost incurred here. He, he said in June that El Salvador's state-owned electricity company, which is called La Gio, um, would be using very cheap um, and again, 100% clean, uh, zero emissions energy from the volcanoes to mine Bitcoin. But of course... Um, Energy costs money, rather electricity costs money. So I don't necessarily believe that it's that it's a you know close to zero cost. It could very well be cheap. It's cheaper than other sort of um, energy sources that El Salvador could be using. Um, but I think the jury would be out on that. I was speaking uh, earlier this week, as the listeners know, and we covered a story called, called "The Truth About El Salvador." And one thing that we discovered in uh, that interview is that nobody knows in El Salvador who's holding the private keys of this Bitcoin. There's a lot of promises being made with this Bitcoin that people can use it. They can't. That their wallets are are you know functional. They stopped working for a while. That this uh, is a, a benevolent endeavor for the people of El Salvador who holds the keys, who's buying this Bitcoin. Where is this Bitcoin? Who's the custodians? And now it's renewable energy that is running from their volcano, 100% clean and 
you know, that's only $500 worth of Bitcoin so far. Is this a bunch of, are we getting scammed? Um, I, I wouldn't um, necessarily go that far. I think what is what is true and, and just at this point, it's it's irreputable, irrefutable rather. The government has been, you know, far from transparent about its Bitcoin policy. As as you mentioned last week um, on the show, it was it was mentioned that nobody knows who who controls the private keys to El Salvador's Bitcoin. The government's also not been transparent when it comes to uh, the criteria that they use to actually purchase Bitcoin when they're going to, how much they're going to purchase, and things of that sort, which is basic information that Salvadorans want and don't have. By the same token, the government has also, well, I should say that the president, Nayib Bukele, has shown his, his authoritarian streak over and over again when it comes to Bitcoin. Um, there have been uh, illegal arrests of Bitcoin critics in El Salvador. There have been um, people that have spoken to us on the condition of anonymity, anonymity I should say, have, have, have mentioned that the government has um, harassed and intimidated small and big businesses alike um, to make sure that people essentially don't speak out too loudly about the government's policy. I think that that's why I mentioned earlier the fact that they are using renewable and clean energy to mine Bitcoin is sort of a bright spot in an otherwise, you know, very controversial policy. This, to me, should be a red flag for everybody in the crypto space. I, I feel that, and this comes to a question because I just want your opinion. I asked this op- uh, opinion in this question to Novia, who was on the show and talking about the what's happening in El Salvador with Bitcoin. And I want to ask you the same question is, there should be red flags in this. I feel that the crypto space, especially crypto Twitter, is overly bullish on this uh, news that El Salvador is you know, accepting Bitcoin as legal tender and all these things are happening without really highlighting these red flags. Yet there are red flags there. And I think that if it was our governments in the UKU or the US, me, uh, we would be very, very concerned with these uh, moves of, say, the president or your prime minister or parliament or the Congress. What do you think would happen in a future where this turns out to be a rug pull by the El Salvador, either parliament or Bukele himself? What do you think it would do to the crypto space? Where do you think the ripples through all the governments around the world of appetite for Bitcoin? I think Nolvia Sahrano, who was the, the lady that spoke on the podcast last week and discussed the, the lack of transparency with regard to private keys, she said something that really stuck out into my mind that, that there's, there's no room for mistakes in this because the cryptocurrency community, uh, she says, you know, holds, holds dear the values of transparency and unlimited government, things of that sort. I don't necessarily think that's true with regard to El Salvador. You've seen, you've seen some of the most passionate Bitcoin advocates like Jack Mallers and Michael Saylor and Peter McCormack all, um, you know, heap praise on, on Bukele for, for the policy that he's that he's put through, um, despite, again, as I, as I mentioned, his authoritarian track record. Uh, if this was to go wrong, um, deeply wrong, and, and be, you know, to use your phrase, uh, a rug pull on behalf of the government against El Salvador's people, um, I mean, I think that the, the damage to Bitcoin as a, as a future alternative to fiat currencies, for those that believe it can be that, would be, would be huge. Um, El Salvador is already facing down and has faced down not only opposition from Salvadorans in terms of protests and surveys that have evidenced the fact that a lot of people there don't want to use Bitcoin as legal tender. The government has also faced a lot of criticism from some of the biggest international institutions um, when it comes to, say, the World Bank, um, the IMF. They have all said that all sorts of macroeconomic and, and legal and financial concerns arise when you use Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency for that matter as legal tender. So if it if it came to bear that this was actually you know, going to fall on its face and it could actually amount to something quite damaging to Bitcoin, no doubt. Speaking of damaging to Bitcoin, uh, we had a report come out earlier this week about 
neo-Nazis and accepting crypto to fund their neo-Nazism. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, well, essentially what, what came out earlier this week was uh, an investigation from the AP that found that far-right activists have, have, have raised millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin um, over the last few years. So one particular standout was um, Andrew Anglin, who was the founder of the neo-Nazi website, The Daily Stormer. Um, and to be clear about what The Daily Stor Stormer truly is, um, it's, 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 a, it's a white supremacy publication. Um, it spreads all sorts of conspiratorial theories and uh, discriminate against blacks, Jews, and, and other minorities. Um, so Anglin, the founder, he had the AP found that he had he had received at least 112 Bitcoin since January 2017. Now, by current prices, that's just a shade under $5 million. I think what's really important to note here is that Bitcoin became an economic lifeline for him because over since 2017 and since the, the, the Unite the Right Charlottesville riots that listeners might recall in 2017, in August 2017, um, Anglin had been cut off by credit card processes and banned by PayPal. So he really lent on cryptocurrencies as, as an economic lifeline, as I mentioned. And I think another important factor here is that this is not something that is unique to Bitcoin. In fact, after Donald Trump lost the 2020 election, Anglin instructed his followers to start donating and even mining on his behalf, Monero, uh, which, as, as you know, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, is a privacy-oriented cryptocurrency. Um, which makes it even harder for regulators and law enforcement to track um, the, the donations that are going to Andrew Anglin. He's not the only one. There are other far-right activists in Australia, not just in the United States, that, have, that the AP investigation showed to have been leaning heavily on cryptocurrency. I don't know if you know, Scott, or if you listen to this show, but I reported also on that article, and I saw the Daily Stormer in the article, and I was curious. And so I went onto their website. And well, I was like, well, first, I'm going to get pinged by the FBI, but I'm going to do this one for I'm going to take one for the team and just go on there. F FBI, you, you know who I am now. You know, I'm going on to this site. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to see. I was like, is this everything that you said in there? And yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty yeah. bad. Did you yeah, go on the site yeah, yourself? Um, I've been on it before. I didn't go on it this this week because I've, I'm not familiar with the Daily Stormer for my own personal interest, but I've researched them before and I, I, I know full well who they are. There's two questions that come out of this that I think are pretty, pretty surface that I, I, I want to ask you. First, when stories like this come out, they look at and regulators look at it and, and people look at this as the devils in, in the crypto, right? So how crypto is being used for bad purposes around the world and money laundering we here and, and, you know, climate change. And now it's white supremacy. Is this a proper narrative? I mean... Is this just a story that fuels the negative narrative for crypto instead of all the other good things that come out? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's it's perfectly justified in pointing out the cryptocurrency enables these sorts of actors and, and these sorts of crimes. I think it's just it's true uh, that that's not to say that, you know, it, it, it would be very simplistic for anybody to say that cryptocurrency is only something that facilitates crime or you know, by the same token, for someone to, 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 to wash away the fact that it does that, I think either of those camps are painting incomplete pictures. The fact of the matter is that cryptocurrencies do enable these actors. And again, I point, I point listeners to the fact that since 2017, Andrew Anglin has received just under $5 million worth of, uh, $5 million worth of cryptocurrency. So it, it's quite clear that this has become a problem. I, I recall a story that I wrote months and months ago now, uh, data that Chainalysis had gathered. This is adjacent to, to the point or to the discussion that we're having now, which was that in 2020 alone, or rather from November in 20, at the point of November in 2020, darknet markets had made more money than they ever had on any annual basis. The year hadn't even ended. 
And that essentially came from Bitcoin um, and from other cryptocurrencies as well. So the evidence and the facts are there, the numbers are there. And I don't think it's 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 worthwhile to say that this is, you know, people in the crypto industry, they, they always like to yell FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. This is not FUD, this is fact. Um, and that's not to necessarily wash away from any of the good that cryptocurrencies can give people, but it clearly has a problem too. I feel like I'm not the most eloquent today, but I'm going to, I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm just, I'm just telling the, the listeners saying, Hey, I, I got, I got word problems today. <laughs> My final question, um, for this or statement, or just what I'm thinking about this is you mentioned that payment services, credit card payment services cut ties or cut the use of their payment services to these sites and uh, the Daily Stormer. Um, one thing that is inherent in the crypto space or in Bitcoin is the idea that no government or an entity or company should be able to cut your services for your funds or be able to restrict the way that you use your funds or the way that you accept uh, payments for things. There's no way to cut payments to of Bitcoin to this person or Monero to this person. You could trace it and trace it to the source, but you can't cut the payments. But cutting payments and taking a stand against, say, white supremacy or or this this these hates this hate speech, is a is a tool that governments have to protect citizens and to protect the um, civility of your society. Do you think that the Daily Stormer has the right to reset payments? Do you think that it should be cut off, or, or do you think that's infringing on freedom, freedom of speech? Or do you think that this just shows that crypto cannot be controlled in a way that maintains a civil society to protect societies or uh, places from these hateful groups and hateful speech? Well, the first thing I'd point out would be that the credit card processes um, had cut off Andrew Anglin and that uh, PayPal had banned Andrew Anglin um, as an individual, obviously, albeit the fact that he's the founder of the Daily Stormer, it was it was not specifically the Daily Stormer that had been cut off. It was Andrew Anglin, which actually your, could be wide, even worse. Correct? I mean, if you're well, cutting off your, individuals. Well, to your wider point, the the fact that you know when when we're thinking traditional currencies that people can be cut off from source of funds. I mean, these those those means are in place to protect very significant crimes, not only for uh, fundraising to fuel hate speech, but also when people consider financial crime like money laundering or or fraud, sometimes I think that there is a there's an intuition that those are victimless crimes when it couldn't be further from the truth. The reason why there are such, or at least intended to be such robust AML, uh, and by that I mean anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing regulations and laws around the world are precisely to protect people from the fact that criminals can access their 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 illicit funds to do crimes and hurt people. That's the simplest way that you can put it. And when it comes to counterterrorism financing, we're talking about making sure that extremist organizations and terrorist organizations don't have the funds to carry out the attacks that they wish to carry out. So um, I think that that's you know, absolutely a, a noble cause, let's say. That's something that the world should celebrate that we tr- at least try to do. Um, and when it comes to cryptocurrencies, I'm recalling a, a, a point that was made on the AP investigation here, uh, that the problem with unhosted wallets uh, I'm paraphrasing a, a, a regulator here, uh, is that there's no pain point. So the only thing that, that law enforcement has or the government has is basically civil contempt uh, or criminal conviction. If someone wants to sit in jail um, and then when they get out of jail, the money is theirs on the other side because no one can access it, then that's a problem. And that's a serious problem that everybody should be concerned with. Of course, there are there's a, there's a very strong, significant libertarian ideological sort of undertone to crypto. It's not shared by everybody in the crypto space by any means, but there are many people that that come to cryptocurrency because they're 
they're interested in in small government and individual freedom and libertarianism and that's something that i think the crypto industry is definitely wrestling with if you're looking at bitcoin which is trying its hand at becoming far more mainstream and getting adopted by the masses i don't think that that's going to help i think that's something that bitcoin definitely needs to find a way to divorce itself from those problems so that people can more eagerly get involved um but then if you look at privacy coins like monero i mean that is something that i think a lot of regulators and law enforcement agencies around the world and even ordinary people will look at and say well there's a risk here because this is clearly the kind of thing that can be at least the ap investigation has shown the kind of thing that can be appealing to extremists not necessarily only on the far right but of you know extremists of of any stripe and that's a problem the last story today that i want to cover or just to have a discussion really quick about is that we just finished q3 and that means we're moving into the end of the year and end of the year is notoriously better for the crypto price especially at this point when we are um, around 16 months after the halving and we are hope hopefully going to 100k that's the the number everybody says 100k and plan b's stock to flow model has been proven itself right for the past you know couple of months and actually for quite some time now but he's been predicting these prices of you know, last month he said that we're going to close at forty-seven thousand. We did before even the month started, and months before he said this month's going to close at forty-three. I'm sorry, that meaning uh, September, it closed at forty-three. It closed at forty-three, and now he has other predictions for the rest of the year. First of all, what do you think about the stock-to-flow model? I know you have much opinion about that, and um, what do you think the rest of the year is going to look like for uh, Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency space? Uh, a miss all kinds of scrutiny from different regulatory bodies and this hopium of $100,000 Bitcoin. This is when you say I have a lot of opinions about this, I, I might I might sitting on the fence a little bit. But as I always say, whenever we discuss price or whenever anybody asks me about prices, never pay attention to anybody that pretends they know what's going to happen with Bitcoin or with any other particular cryptocurrency. That would be rule number one for me. Going forward, in terms of you know where we're going to see prices by the end of the year again i i won't be giving you a prediction because i fundamentally do not know where things will lie uh one thing that points that 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 i would point out to though that i think is is interesting was just a few months back um bitcoin talking again about the flagship cryptocurrency here was um mired in quite a few controversies um and statements that if you had seen coming up three months prior you you would have been forgiven for thinking that it would have impacted the price and by that i mean the SEC chair Gary Gensler suggesting that cryptocurrencies don't satisfy the conditions for money, that we may be seeing unregistered securities in crypto, uh, that the industry, broadly speaking, requires rules of the of the road to borrow a, a phrase from Senator Elizabeth Warren to protect consumers. Those things were coming out at a time when Bitcoin's price was not necessarily falling drastically. That was a really good moment for me to understand that Bitcoin doesn't necessarily or can can at least in theory hold off against let's say, you know, collectively bearish comments. Over the next few months, of course, the, the infrastructure bill in the United States is still ongoing. That's been a, a really major sticking point for the crypto industry over the last few months, and it will continue to be so. And I guess I wasn't asking just about price. I was kind of uh, wondering about what do you think the crypto space is going to look like uh, in the next uh, three months? Not in price, but do you think that we're going to see an ETF? Do you think we're going to see uh, more regulation come out uh, in the last of the year I mean, I, I I don't know about specifically in the next couple of months, but in the medium to long term, I think the crypto industry is 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 definitely staying down the barrel in terms of more stringent regulation. I think Gary in the United States, Gary Gensler couldn't possibly have been clearer when he's when he has said repeatedly, 
that there may be, there may well be, or that it's highly likely, I believe he's actually said to use his exact words, that there are unregistered securities in the crypto industry. That is something the SEC is not going to tolerate. And the fact that he has a lot of political support in some very sort of, you know, well-known slash marquee senators like Elizabeth Warren that suggest the same things that Gary Gensler suggests, that the crypto industry is in need of more consumer protection laws. Um, so I think- what is it? What is it looking like in the in the FCA? Well, the FCA has it doesn't directly regulate cryptocurrency. I think the biggest story, the biggest regulatory story in the UK that's come out over the last few months has been that the FCA has sort of really gone out on a limb to to shout at Binance. Really, essentially, um, Binance Markets Limited is a is a, a Binance acquired entity that was put in place here in the UK, uh, and it was put in place specifically to own and operate a bespoke UK crypto exchange. That has not happened to date. And if you look at what the FCA has said about Binance and about Binance Markets Limited specifically, it doesn't look like it will happen anytime soon. They actually went, regulators are by their nature, and I can, I can speak as a former regulator, conservative by nature. Um, given that fact, I think it's, it's been, it, it, was sign- it was very significant to hear the FCA come out and say that Binance Markets Limited was not capable of being regulated. That's that's a very strong statement for a regulator to issue. Usually you just hear regulators say that a, a particular company, a particular firm has, has not satisfied its requirements for any particular reason. And they'll usually keep those close to their chest. But the FCA came out and said that uh, Binance Markets Limited, BML, was actually not capable of being regulated after they had, to use the FCA's words, flat out refused essentially to provide basic information about the firm and about how the wider Binance group operates. And yeah, I think clearly the FCA is very angry at Binance. Um, and I think as a whole, going away from Binance for a moment, it's very skeptical or, or, or cautious about the wider crypto industry. And I don't think that's going to change in the next few months or even into 2022. Scott and thank you very much for coming on uh, for this week in review. And uh, I hope you get better, my friend. Thank you very much, Matthew. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. I know you guys don't listen to the end of the show here. I know you guys just like turn it off and go to your next podcast. But please, go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. (laughs) Anyway, until tomorrow, weekend updates. Happy hodling, everyone.